Welcome back to the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Daschel, and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. We're here to take a look at last Saturday's 24-10 win over Washington State. Then we're going to touch on uh, this week's game against Colorado as Oregon State looks to become bowl eligible for only the fourth time uh, in October since 2000. It hasn't happened often, and with Oregon State being a 24-point favorite, you would expect the Beavers are going to get the job done on Saturday. Joining me on the podcast is former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. So we were both at the stadium on Saturday. Um, pretty wild night there. Um, atmosphere was, you know, it might not have been USC atmosphere, but it was, it was, it was, you know, if, if USC was a nine or a 10, this was probably a nine. I, I would think it was, it was, it was, it was full. It was loud. It was electric. It was the, the crowd, I think deliver this, this crowd this year seems to be delivering, you know, at least a field goal to four or five points worth of, uh, you know, worth for Oregon state. It, it, it definitely makes a difference on the, on the opponent. Oh, great. I think it makes even more of a difference when, I mean, from when I played, we had uh, the Oregon State fans staying until halftime and then more times not, the crowd would be almost gone. And so, you know, when you see Oregon State fans really stay in a full four quarters, it, it definitely brings more light to the team and the atmosphere stays very hyped. And it's a definitely hard place to play in when uh, Oregon State fans are there and they're excited and they're pumped and they're, you know, enthusiastic about their team. And it just makes the players want to even play harder. So it's really nice to see though. Yeah, I really can't figure out the the uh how the, the, the way the stadium the way it's configured this year, how it's impacting the visitor. Um, you know, they're when they're on the field, I think it's probably it's probably it probably is impactful. I don't know on the sideline, hard to say because there's nobody over there, but you know, the media and coaches and whatnot, there's not that many people over there. So I don't know if the, it's hard for me to tell from where I'm, I'm in the press box, which is, you know, right, kind of right behind the benches, but it's a little hard to tell, you know, just how loud it is versus, you know, a, a, another stadium where you'd be on the sideline. But I imagine it's, it's, it's probably pretty impactful to the, uh, to the opponent, but more so for Oregon State, you having those students right behind them, really firing them up. I, the, the students seem more engaged this year than, shoot, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I agree on that. I think I think it actually is like even though it's weird that there's no fans on our right side right now or like on the opposing side, I think with the fans and the uh, students being right beside or behind Oregon State. It's, it's like a confidence booster right behind your ear that's just telling you, like, hey, you got this. And, you know, it keeps that positive morale of the team to just keep fighting. And I feel on the opposing side, when you have nobody there, it almost can get boring, which yeah. in ways could be a positive. So at least for the season. Well, well, we'll find out just how engaged people are this week when Oregon State plays Colorado, which is one in five, but they are coming off a win. Um, they beat uh, the Buffaloes, beat Cal. California in overtime get their first win. They they've been pretty much blown out their first five games. They changed coaches. You know, I, I guess I gave them a shot of energy, and they found the right they found the right opponent, and they put it to them. Um, but anyway, Oregon. You know, looking at the big picture, Oregon State they're five and two. You know, you would. You know, we can we can we can talk about W as the team the team camp, but we can. I mean, Colorado looks like a W. It just the the matchup just looks 
Oregon State just has so many advantages there. You would think they're going to get their sixth win. You know, so we, you know, if we're looking at the big picture. If you, if you, if you put in a six and two record headed into November with four games, I mean, ten wins is out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, it's out there. There's heavy potential, especially if we can play the way we played this past weekend. Uh, yeah, maybe the throw wasn't as great, but when you're predominantly running the ball very well, why stop? So, I mean, if we can play the way that we're playing at this time, I, I potentially could, yeah, easily see, like, you know, not easily, but I can see us going 10-2 and two at the end of the season. And uh, I could see the Beavers doing well and, you know, playing at a high-caliber level and, you know, potentially going to a great bowl game. So that's the goal. And, you know, who knows, maybe Pac-12s, that's – Still a conversation, which is really cool and really nice to say. Yeah, there would have to be some carnage going on at the top for sure. Because oh, yeah. Oregon, Utah, UCLA, and USC definitely have an upper hand over Oregon State. But yes. you know, UC, you know, UCLA is is you know they've they've got Oregon, they've got um, SC, and I believe they have oh they have Stanford this week. I mean Stanford, I don't think they can beat UCLA, but. I mean, they they're know. playing they're playing better, and it's it's a rivalry game. And Oregon's got Utah at home. They you know they got the Beavers. I mean, and Washington. Those are their I think those are their last three games. Washington, Utah, Oregon State. That's that's not going to be easy. And you know, I think SC is I think SC's in their their schedule is weak. I mean, really weak. All they've got is UCLA left. But you know, and Utah's got you know a couple of tough games left too. So. Uh, you know, some of those teams could get two or three losses. I mean, Oregon State's obviously got to run the table to have any chance at all. But, but you know, with the six and two record heading into a bye week, you got then you got Washington, which looks to have a historically bad defense this year. I mean, they score with anybody in the in the country, but they can't stop anybody. Um, so that that'll be an interesting game and. And then, you know, Cal is, I mean, Cal is down. There's no question about it. That should be a W. Arizona State, you know, they're, they, they've been playing better of late, but they're certainly not the Arizona State we've seen the last few years. That, that's a game of Oregon State plays well. They should win. And then, you know, the Ducks, I mean, that's obviously going to be a tough game. And I, I think it's, I'm looking right now, I, I'm guessing Oregon will be, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a three to five point favorite in that game. Maybe six. I don't know. But all that says is that you know Oregon State's got a shot. They, they got a shot to win that game. They'll probably. I think that'll be the most difficult game of the year, depending. on But you don't really know what either team is going to have in terms of personnel because it's you know a lot of injuries and things could happen between now and the end of November. But there, there's no game on the schedule left that you go, man, this is going to be tough. This is going to be one tough game to win. I mean, they're all out there for Oregon State to win if they play. They got to get a little better on offense for sure. But yeah. the, the, that defense that defense is going to be a problem for everybody they play, looks to me. I mean, offensively for uh, the Beavers, I really think that, you know, like when they finally fully locked down a quarterback, I think he played pretty well this weekend. And, you know, just keep giving him time after time or we can't bring back Chance Nola. But we have to sort of stick with one or the other and, and really let them pave their way. But, uh, you know, get low back and hopefully Musgrave by the end of season. Everybody else sort of stay healthy. Martinez is coming into his own. You know, as the season goes on, if we can get all these injuries, you know, fully healthy and all the team stays healthy, 
I really feel like we have a shot at really anything, you know, and it's going to be up in the air between Oregon, USC, Utah, UCLA. But I feel like, you know, just a loss or one or two from those two teams, them playing each other, that's going to give us potential to be in there. So, you know, as long as we can keep playing the way we play, I don't see a game in the rest of the season that's not winnable. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's talk about the offense a little bit because I, I asked Jonathan today about, you know, the way they, the way they play Washington state was they played a pretty conservative game plan. I don't think they planned to do it quite like that, but, but Gulbertson was under such pressure that they, they couldn't block, they couldn't block Washington state's front a lot of the time. And so they just they just kind of turned to the running game and they ran it forty seven times and it was effective and they you know you t- combine that with a defense and uh, I mean you can control games that way you can feel you play the field position game and I'm just you know I asked I asked Jonathan I said is that kind of the mo for the rest of the season I mean this team really hasn't had an offensive identity but that kind of looks like how this team should should go is 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 run the ball lean on the defense, play field position, you know, not, I'm not saying they wouldn't take shots down the field, but, but he mentioned, you know, you know, there could be games where, you know, the other team will, will give us the opportunity to throw 35 times. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's, I just don't know. That's a recipe for this team. The receivers on this team are good, but there's no great ones on this, on this. I think you got to have a great receiver in order to, to be able to throw that much, but I don't know what you think. Well, when I look at our receiving courts, I don't, it's not that I don't see greatness. I just don't see consistency. So we have players, at, we have really great threats. Um, I'm really bad with names at times, so correct me when I say numbers, but zero per se. He has the ability to be a great receiver. Um, and it goes on. Even, um, what's his name? Wow, I'm really Gould. bad with names at this moment. No, Victor Bolden's little brother. Oh, Silas he, Bolden. Yes, even though he's young, you see sparks of a deep ball threat. You see these glimpses of just speed. And so, you know, when you look at these players, it's like they're not it's they're good receivers, but they have the ability to become great with consistency. But we're just not getting the consistency or or they're not getting enough touches where we can really see like a light shine over, over them. You know, yeah. some of them are just like you go game after game and we're seeing drop after drop after drop and then one great play. So it's like minimize the drops and show your greatness. And, you know, like then you're we have that conversation of, yeah, we have like, for example, Musgrave. He didn't just come out of nowhere, but he was our star receiver as a tight end. You know, like he could come down with a lot and he was a go-to guy. And so, you know, I think we have that ability on the outside, even without them, they just aren't consistent enough. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, I guess that's where I'm getting to. I, I don't, I honestly don't think Musgrave's going to be back this year. I don't know that for a fact, but I don't really, I I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's probably not going to be back and without him, they don't have that big guy in the middle that they can throw, they, they can throw, they can post him up, you know, not really post him up, but they said, you know, Isaiah Hodgins was another one. They had, he was a guy you could just count on on third and eight. You could just get him out. You could get him out there. He could win those one-on-one battles because he had the size and he, and he had the hands same thing. And same thing with Musgrave. And, 
and maybe Jack Velling is that guy, but he's still a freshman and, you know, it's going to be hard for him to be, you know, uh, count on him to go to all the time, but he did have a, he had a good game on Saturday, but, and, and we'll see if he can build on that. But I, th- this team just doesn't have that, you know, six, four guy that can go down the field and, and, and really impose himself on a physically on a, on a, on a corner or a safety, um, it doesn't look like to me. I mean, they got good receivers. I don't know if we have any, you know, I don't know if Oregon State has any great receivers. Yeah, no, I definitely understand. And yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think it's uh, the freshman tight end. I think he has, if he gets more games under his belt and, you know, more consistency, he gets the ball a little bit more. We could really see maybe glimpses of like, you know, sparks of light, which would be awesome. But, you know, I'm not expecting that. And I'm not really not expecting Musgrave to come back. I think he needs a full season to heal out. Uh, but yeah, we need like a deep bar, six foot, like an Isaiah Hodgins, just like another body that's always going to be able to just have hands. Like, you know, it's a person that you can count on or lead towards on a third down and yeah. make sure, you know, so it's going to be, I think it's nice to see this team take a turn and, you know, like we're doing great this year and I love to see it. And I think coach Smith's been a great coach and he's a great recruiter. And so, you know, it's not. I would expect great things coming up in the next couple of years, and some great recruits coming in that have the size, as well as the speed. So, yeah, that feels like a transfer portal issue. A priority for the upcoming season is to find that big receiver. And you know, it's not like they just grow them on trees. They're everybody wants those guys, but just somebody Oregon State could really use is, is a is a big receiver. But uh, so. Uh, let's kind of go to the defensive side here. I, I you know, the last several weeks we kind of had. The, there's been talk around the Pac-12 that you know, Washington State they might have the best. They might have the best defense in the conference, and you know, we've been. You know, I've seen a lot of that on social media and whatnot. And I know players read that stuff, and and I'm just wondering. You know, Oregon State th- th- that defense is veteran. They're proud. I wonder if this. I wonder if it got under their skin a little bit that people are talking about Washington State and their defense, and, and Oregon State responded Saturday to, sh- to show that you know the best defense on the field was theirs, not Washington State's. I mean, the way I look at it is, uh, the Beavers sort of like one they took into account the last week to two weeks and was like, we have not played our best, so they wanted to turn that leaf, and really like you know. Nobody ever thinks Oregon State is Oregon State. Like, they don't think that we're anything up there in the Pac-12. They don't think Oregon State is a top contender. So I think that maybe conversation of Washington State as the best defense could have came into play. But at the same time, I think more of the conversations that, that sort of just fuel, like fueled them more were Oregon State. Yeah, they're having a decent year. Yeah, Oregon State's doing okay. Yeah, they're all right. They're going to bust it. And, you know, I feel like now they're like, all right, we'll show you who we are. And they really came out this week and showed, you know, the Pac-12 fans, other fans and anybody else that, yeah, no, we're here. They're here. They're ready to play. And they're going to show you, like, they're in contenders to be a great Pac-12 team this year and years to come. So I think that was – really like a fire that sort of lit them as well as maybe the conversation of Washington state has a great defense. Right. I had really only seen Cam Ward play once before Saturday when they played Oregon. And, and my, my thoughts of him was, you know, he was about as slippery a guy as, as, as I've seen a quarterback and he throws, he likes to throw a lot of sidearm stuff and, and improvise and things like that. But 
seemed to me like if you made him throw the ball downfield with accuracy, he, he, he doesn't throw the prettiest looking ball. And I kind of think that's what Oregon State did. I, I think they they thought he he doesn't really even though he can run, he doesn't really want to run. And so they kind of kept him behind the line of scrimmage and sort of pinned him in a little bit and made him throw. And he threw 54 times, which is a season high, and completed 25. I mean, you're just not going to win any games throwing 25 out of 54. And that's that's what Oregon State did. They just they they kind of made him they 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 sort of exposed him a little bit. I don't know what 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 did you think about the game plan to to kind of contain Cam Ward? I was actually going to say that one word. They exposed him in ways like when I watched him. I watched him against Oregon, I believe. I don't remember the game that they played last game, but I watched SC. his last game. and Yeah, SC, and I was like, okay, this guy can, you know, he likes to move around. He can get out of harder situations, and he likes to make a play. But when I was watching him against Oregon State, it was they corralled him. You know, they made him uncomfortable. Even when he sort of likes the uncomfortable areas, they made him feel more uncomfortable. And yeah, he's not very accurate. I sort of expected a little bit more, but I, I'm going to give that prop to Oregon State where they sort of, they put him in a spot where he was not ready nor wanting to be in. And I think that was really great on their part. And they really showed how that we have a good defense and, you know, we can manage week by week playing different kinds Um but yeah, they came out there with a game plan, and I think defensively they executed it. Was there one thing you thought Oregon State did particularly well to you know to what we were talking about expose Cam Ward? Was there was there a scheme or something you saw that you thought really made him look pretty average? So the the one thing that I love being at a game is that I get to really feel the atmosphere the fans and i'm gonna answer the question but it's like when you're at a game it's hard to really be able to because you're not looking down at like an eagle's point of view and watching the whole back end coverage as much so it's not as hard as readings while i'm actually watching the game whereas when i watch film or i'm watching the game on tv i'm able to analyze the game but i never really got to notice and that's really me having to go back on film and which i'll probably do all this week just to rewatch because I like to go back and rewatch the games just because, I mean, we're doing great this year. But I wasn't able to go back, but I feel like Coach Smith had a hand in maybe like uh, doing like a show three, go two cloud and going three, coming down man. So it's, it's like, you know, that's some things that you do to like sort of confuse a quarterback pre-snap reads. So like when he, a quarterback, especially in college, does it more times – when they see something, that's what they think it is. So when you roll down and roll a safety down or roll a safety back up and you go three to two or two to three or three to man, it confuses or fake blitzes. And so, or even bringing blitzes opposite sides than expected, it, it can throw a quarterback off. And I feel like Coach Smith had great, uh, he implemented a lot of great things on the team this, this week, especially. So one thing I did notice was that when he was ready to, you know, snake out of hard situations and he was looking downfield, it seemed like nothing was open. So, like, that tells me on the back end, our defense, our safe, our safeties, our corners, our nickels, our linebackers are playing their zones right. They're playing their mans right. And then on top of the ways he wanted to roll out, it was harder for him to roll out. So it's just like 
you know, they're corralling him in areas that he doesn't feel comfortable in. And that's really nice to see. So rather than him actually trying to make a Houdini play, he would just have to attempt to last second, you know, throw it away. But more times than not, we're right there either for a sack, uh, you know, uh, tackle for loss. And it was, yeah, it was just really nice to see the defense, like, play well overall, though. As far as Washington State's running game, I, I don't know if Oregon State stopped it as much as Washington State didn't even try that much. They they ran it 14 times. Um, yeah, you know, they had some yards, but not a lot. But they, they really turned themselves into a one-dimensional team. Now, maybe they came to the conclusion pretty early that they weren't going to run on Oregon State, but I don't know. I don't know what you thought. It just, it just seemed to me like they kind of gave up on the run. Yeah, the two things when I was looking at the stat board that I was really excited at the same time confused to see was one, I was excited to see that we had no penalties. Two, I was excited and confused to see such low rushing yards, but with low attempts. And I don't think necessarily Oregon State stopped that. I think that Washington State put themselves in a more one-dimensional offensive frame which makes it even more difficult for you. I mean, I do get, yeah, if we had stopped the run, that makes sense. And, but the thing with stopping the run, you have to keep it consistent between running past to not um, keep a defense honorable. And so when you make it one dimensional, they're not actually even ever ready nor caring to stop the run. They're ready for the pass. They're ready to just corral the quarterback or you're going to dump it out to a running back. But when you make it one dimensional, they don't now have to think about one thing or two things. They literally just have to think it's going to be pass. He's going to drop back and he's ready to throw. So I think that Oregon, Washington State sort of took them out, took themselves out in that aspect. Uh, I don't know. I still think that we probably probably would have played decently well against the run. But, I mean, I'm not going to say that. Oregon, I'm not happy that. I mean, I am happy that Washington State sort of made themselves one-dimensional because it made us look so much better. So. Well, what's funny is, you know, you <laughs> – you know, with coordinators, you think, you know, they got, they'd spent all week coming up with a sophisticated game plan and, you know, they really rolling out this, rolling out this plan for four quarters. But I've had coaches tell me that they've got to, you know, when they're calling plays before the game, they'll write on top of their play sheet, run the damn ball. Cause they forget, they just forget to run it. And so it's like, so they're not, it's not <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of funny that they have to write a reminder to themselves to run the ball, you know. So I don't know. Sometimes maybe maybe they just, but that regardless, I mean, you know. We talked about it like what well, I know it's a new head coach, but we talked about it last week. Um, Washington State's still a very pass heavy team. Always have been and always will be, in my opinion. Regardless of the coach, that's just a passing scheme offense. So you know, like. When I think run, I'm thinking more screens and then a couple, you know, inside runs here and there or bounces every once in a while. But I always see them throwing the ball. So like for them to throw it as much as they did, yeah, I think they overly excessively threw it. But uh Washington State's a heavy run heavy pass team and I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, they had been, but you 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 you, you kind of think why are they their their coach now is it, it comes from the defensive side of the ball and typically defensive coaches like to run the ball because it protects their defense a little bit but i don't know it's you know it is what it is on that one um getting over to the offensive side uh you know we kind of talked about the blueprint for being able 
more run heavy. Uh, Damian Martinez, he had another big game. We've, uh, you know, we've been seeing Oregon State go with three men all season long, pretty well dividing the carries up. I mean, it's not totally, it's not totally even, but usually it's pretty close to even, and they tend to go with a guy a little bit more if he's hot, and that's what happened Saturday with Martinez. I think he was on the field a few more snaps than than the other two, but you know, Jonathan doesn't seem like he wants to switch this up any. He wants to get them all on the field, see who's hot, and go with that guy, but. I'm starting to wonder, you know, how much longer is it till we see Damian Martinez get the bulk of the of the carries? Because, I mean, he's the one guy that can hit, he can hit the home run. He 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 he's got the he's got a 50 yarder, a 43 yarder. Nobody else on this roster is is hit for that except for the one Jack Coletto ran 41 yards in the um, Boise State game. I mean, I'm, I'm I, you know I think Fenwick and Griffin are capable of it, but. They haven't done it, and Martinez. I mean, that, those are game changers. When you when you can hit one or two of those a game, those 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 really change games. So I don't know. He seems like he's starting to come into his own, and and it might be time to see what what the guy can do with twenty carries. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that when you look at the three running backs, you got Griffin, you got Fenwick, and you got Martinez. Martinez is your home run hitter. He's a guy that can sort of do all of it, which is really nice. And then you have Griffin, who's shifty. He'll get you a first down, and he'll make a couple cuts. And, you know, you can count on him for like 10, 10 12, 15 yards or so. Uh, but then you have Fenwick, who I think is more of like a third down back. He needs your short yardage. He'll help you out. Even though we have Coletto for it, I think he's also that guy that we could really count on for that area. But when you look at – when you think of Martinez, I think as the season goes on, you'll start seeing a couple more carries here and there, a couple more carries here and there. And, as the season goes on, you go into next year especially, I really think that he's going to be that guy, like that solidified starting back. Because I think that's what they're doing right now. They're grooming him into becoming the bar, the starting back, you know, like where he turns back into a Ryan Nall, um, a B.J. Baylor, uh, Octavius Pierce. And so, you know, I think that as time goes on, you're going to really start to see him mold and become his own and sort of start to stand out a lot more. Yeah, it could be. Because uh, all these guys, all these guys are back next year. You know, Friday they don't go in the you know, go in the transfer portal, so they're they're all all these backs are are back. And then you know, depending on what comes in off the you know off the portal or recruiting or whatnot, but they're pretty well set in that backfield for a while. Um, in this game, you know, the receivers didn't do much, but then Oregon State didn't throw it that much. Ben Galbrinson was twelve out of twenty four for one hundred and forty one yards. Anthony Gould had the had the big catch for the touchdown. Um, you know, Jack Belling, like we talked about, had four catches for sixty three yards. The freshman tight end. You know, they didn't do much in this game, but it, it, I didn't feel like that was on the receivers. The game plan just sort of shifted to running because Oregon State couldn't couldn't block consistently block Washington State and give Gulbrunson time to throw. So I don't know. I, I I think you know better days are ahead for the receivers, and I I don't really pin pin much of this on them in in this game I, I think we'll see we'll see more out of them in the next especially the next couple games with Colorado and Washington both there's going to be some opportunities in those games for sure oh yeah I think those two games are games where we get to you know really uh mold or Oregon State gets to mold and practice and become better overall scheme wise so like you know I think that Oregon State's run game starting to look really well I think they bring that in and start, you know, like trying to expand the playbook 
where they'll throw in some passes here and some more passes there. And then they also, you know, expand the playbook for their run game and try a couple new things and, you know, just trying to make sure you get a feel of what the best scheme for our O-line, our quarterback, our running backs is. And then on top of that, like Oregon State's pass game, like what do we do well at? Who are our go-tos? And I think this is going to be a game, Colorado and Washington are going to be two games that we can really see who's going to really outshine each other so that you know, like solidified coming to the ending of the season, who are our go-to guys in times of crisis. Yeah. You know, one thing I did think about, if if Oregon State is really going to make a run at 10 wins, and again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they're going to make a run at 10 wins, they've got to get Everett Hayes back kicking because there, there's too much inconsistency right now on, on field goals and whatnot. I mean, again, short field goal try, could have made it 27-10 the other night. That 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 definitely makes a ball game, misses the kick. It still was probably over, but there was four minutes left, 24-10. I mean, it's not unthinkable that Washington State goes down the field and scores, onside kick, scores again. He, he makes that field goal. It's over. One of these games is going to come down to a field goal. It just is. Washington game came down to a field goal last year. I mean, they, they've got to get a guy. They've got, and you can't, you can't force Everett Hayes to get on the field till he's healthy. But you know, you would, for Oregon State's sake, they got to hope he's 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 getting closer because they they need somebody that can consistently put it through the pipes. Oh yeah, I agree. I think the kid, um, you know, like field goals and so on and so forth is just as important as the game because more times than not, especially in bigger games, that's what it comes down to. So, you know, I think that's one piece that's very important for Oregon State to, you know, fully uh, come together just as much as I feel like every time we pick a piece to we put a piece together or Oregon State puts a piece together, whereas the run game finally starting to get that in check. The past game's not as well today, but that's okay because it wasn't expected. You know, like we just had a great run game. I think that kicking on top of, you know, like the false, all the penalties, we checked that off this week. And so now it comes to, can Oregon State's kick game be better? And so, you know, like that's just something they can work on. And coming this week, I feel like that's one thing that Oregon State can work on and, you know, really try to, even with a backup kicker, just trying to make sure that he comes into his own at the time that they need him. And then once your starter is more healthy, things can work out a little bit easier. But yeah, I agree with you. On the flip side on special teams, Luke Losher, he was he was the defense's best friend, if if you ask me. I mean, his punting, he, I mean, it, it's to help a defense, you, you got to give them some field position. You can't consistently make your defense get out there at midfield or the forty and and expect them to consistently stop an offense. I mean, at Washington State, they had to drive the field every almost every. The only time they were in, the only time they started. Uh, outside their 35 was the interception. The other 13 drives started inside the 35, and that was due to the punting, and that was due to the Oregon State moving the ball in, on, on offense. So, I mean, as good as the defense played, they got a lot of help from the from the kicking game and the offense, setting them up with good field position. I, I mean, I'm, I imagine that that that's for a defense. You get, you got to feel pretty good when when you're constantly, you know, starting out at at the 15 or some 15 or 20 yard line. And you know, the other team's got to go 80 to beat you. Oh, a hundred percent. It makes a huge difference and it's a big impact. And, you know, like 
once you're when you get backed up that far back as an offense, you know, it's rough for you, but it's more exciting for a defense where it's like, hey, if we could just stop you here, like we'll be, we'll put our offense in a good position and if not, we'll put it right back here again, which that's always a great thing. So I think that Oregon State their special teams punting area was phenomenal and you know, like I just hope to keep seeing that game in and game out. Yeah. Well, next up uh, for Oregon State, as we mentioned earlier, was Colorado. They're they're one and five. They're coming off a off a twenty to thirteen overtime win over over California. Uh, that was by far their best game of the year. They haven't stopped the run all year except for that game. They they were giving up two hundred and ninety four yards an average on the ground for the first five games. They gave up thirty five to Cal. Um. I, it's hard to believe that they're not they're not somewhere closer to that two ninety four than thirty five. But you know, Oregon State's got to approach this game as if Colorado's figured something out on with their run defense and 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 counter that. I I would suppose. Oh, hundred percent. I would definitely want to be Oregon State going into this as if, hey, we're coming here guns blazing. You know, we just got to you know make sure that they want to put the emphasis on we are a heavy run and we are better than you and sort of just put your foot on the gas and step on them and you know just go from there and crush their souls and sort of keep it pushing yeah i don't want to put you on the spot here but you have played on some teams that it's no breaking news that weren't very good and we're heavy underdog <laughs> and we're heavy underdogs what what was it like when you were playing a team you know, that was pretty heavily favored. Was it hard to stay engaged for four quarters? And, or, I mean, what was, what, I guess, what was it like? Cause that's, that's kind of what Colorado's going through right now. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, that's the worst part, but I can tell you firsthand that it's not fun and it's hard to stay in a game for four quarters when you're just getting, it doesn't matter how long or short your offense is on the field. The defense comes out, you're on and on and on and on the field, repetitive. It's literally time after time within like two, three minutes, you're back on the field. Slow breather, slow breaks, and then they run it down your throat. And cause it's like when you have, when you're facing a team that no matter what, like Oregon State, when I was on the team, that no matter what the opposing team did, it sort of seemed like anything would work against us. And it was just like, I don't know what the, you know, the problem is or what we're supposed to fix. Is it offensively they just nice staying on the field long enough? Is it defensively we just can't stop the run? Is it our scheme that's not working? And so, like, when you go through four quarters of it, by the fourth quarter, you're just trying to keep the morale up individually. Like, you're just yelling at the team, like, keep your head up. We're still in it. But the score, I mean, it, it doesn't show that. Yeah. It shows the exact opposite. But you're trying to just – so, Yeah. It's hurtful. It's hard, and you just got to suck it up and keep going. What? Well, so what? What? What breaks? What breaks a team? Is is it a running game that just you just can't stop, or is it a pat? You know, a pass that you can't see. It seems to me like the running game. If, if you just thump a team over and over and over, eventually they just roll over and quit, don't they? The run game is where big men play. If you can beat somebody in the run and just thump, thump it down their throat all all night you've basically killed somebody's morale completely. So yeah, I believe that the run game is where it starts and it's where grown men play. I know a lot of people out there 
Oregon State fans are looking at this game as the quote unquote trap game and you know the, the Beavers won't will overlook Colorado. That's my gut feeling is they're not going to do that for a couple of reasons. One, this is a pretty veteran team. They've been around. They 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 know what these games are like. B, they lost to Colorado last year. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to forget that, I don't think. I mean, that was a game they should have won. They went back there and they didn't win it. And I I just I just feel like they're not going to let this one go. I I don't see them overlooking Colorado. Yeah, I definitely don't see them slipping. I mean, yeah, it's six and two right now. You're five and two. You want to have a bowl game before bye week. I think that's one thing that they're going to look at too. They did lose to uh, Colorado last week. You don't want to lose to them now. You especially have more fire towards it. And three, this is a new Oregon State team where it's like they are coming in fired up every game, wanting to win any and every game that they play all year long. So. I think that Oregon State comes in and they're they're going to try to put their foot on the gas and don't stop until the last whistle blows. Yeah, I picked this one uh, 34 to 7 Oregon State. I I just don't see Colorado having enough offense to to do much against Oregon State's defense and and while while I don't uh, I don't think Colorado's defense is is very good i still think oregon state has some issues on offense and and if they stick to you know if they're a little bit more conservative i i just think a, a, something in the 34 to 7 range seems about right on this game for some reason i'm thinking it's going to be more around like the 35 14 or 35 17 range yeah i feel like you know we're gonna let one slide and you know they have to regroup and potentially at the end of the game when they just for some reason, Oregon State might let their foot off the gas, and it's they get a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. I see it being close to that, and but I see us, you know, hitting thirty-five points and pulling away with the win. Yeah, it's possible. I just, I just, you know, they gave up ten to Washington State, seventeen to SC, seventeen to Boise State, and the, I'm talking about home games, and I'm thinking. Boy, Colorado's offense is not anywhere near those three, and so I don't. I could be surprised though, but I, I don't see Colorado. I see Colorado struggling to get to double figures in this game. So I, I this this one will surprise me if it's close, really. But I guess that's why they play the yeah. game. That's why they play the game. So we'll find out Saturday. Um, where are you, are you? Are you gonna? Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be at, at the at the game or on TV or how are you gonna? view this one i'll be watching it here in beaverton so i'll be here at home watching it on tv and then uh hopefully later on this season be back down to corvallis again there's a about a 50 50 chance of rain on saturday which oregon state hasn't i mean it's just been nothing but nice weather all first seven games so that would be a little bit of a switch so um, I it's hard to believe that's the best weather, part about Oregon State, though. The weather has really held out this year. It's been pretty nice. So anyway, I think that's that should probably about do it. I think we've 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 talked ourselves out on this game coming up. So that's a that's a wrap on this week's uh, edition of the Beaver Banner Podcast. You can find this podcast wherever you wherever you find your favorite podcast. Be sure to check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll be back next week to wrap up the Beavers game against Colorado, and perhaps we might have a special guest next week, a former Beaver teammate of Kyle's on the podcast. You remember that? You remember that one? We talked yes, about I that? Do. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, that, 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 that could be a good one. So uh, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see you next week on the podcast. Sounds great.